Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Disney suffers the wrath of ScarJo. The Jungle Cruise sets sail for the backside of water. And it's 40 years of MTV. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, PopCultureCosmos.com, and anywhere you see Pop Culture Cosmos out there on social media, it is sincerely appreciated. You can also email us because we had some emails last week. So send us an email with your pop culture questions. Uh, we'll answer them on the show. Absolutely. At popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own master blaster of pop culture cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at humanicamedia.com. Also saw popculturecosmos.com and all the great shows that he does, including the Super BS Gamescast and, of course, Topic Ocalypse, plus his amazing book, which you need to get right now at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, entitled Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? Okay, so I am. I know you went to Disneyland, so I, I want to hear the stories about Disneyland. I've and been, you went to SeaWorld. I went to SeaWorld to play with dolphins. And let me tell you, SeaWorld in San Antonio, nothing like the SeaWorld in San Diego. So if you're if you're in Texas, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go to SeaWorld uh, because I want to see some uh, some fish several hundred miles away from the ocean. It's not what you think it is. All right, they got like their orcas, they got their dolphins, and they have like four sharks, but it's mostly an amusement park. So there's that. And don't go on a Saturday because it's crazy crowded. But if you want to go on a Sunday, it's it's a pretty nice place to be. Okay. All right. All right. Now with Disneyland, I went there this past week, got to see both sides, California Adventure, and then also, of course, the main Disneyland, which you cannot avoid because you have to go there. It's still a lot of fun. I know it's that's going to be a new area of masking so you have to go ahead and be prepared to wear a mask now i went there on one of the last days you were not required to wear a mask 
uh, actually went two days total. They've got the new Web Slingers ride that features Tom Holland. That is a pretty cool ride. Uh, interacts with you. So you just have to go ahead and web sling away like this. Move your hands back and forth and try to aim your your hands at at whatever the like. So think of it like uh, an amazing House of the Dead video right there, for with a whole so bunch of uh, you, different are, little spiders coming at you. And are you wearing gloves or how does this work? Well, funny you should say that because uh, you can at the gift shops buy paraphernalia for a certain amount of price. I think under well, right around the thirty to fifty dollar mark, you can go ahead and buy apparatus to help you achieve all those different things for an even more interactive experience but it also just plays off your hands if you don't you don't buy it so if you don't have to necessarily spend an extra amount of money for apparatus to go ahead and feel like you're interacting with it because the more things that you get on screen because it reacts off your hands like you web slinging like this you know going back and forth it does react to it. It does create a light, so to speak, within the confines of the game and allows you to destroy the various spiders and various obstacles in there for a certain amount of points. And the more points you get between your entire group, it's also competition with each other, but it's also a group and shared score as well to compete against those who have actually already uh, gone through the ride that hour. In fact, they flash that on the screen at the end as you leave the ride. But it's an interesting experience. It is not quite as good as Rise of the Resistance, but if you want to go ahead and get a workout on your arms, you know, fire away with your web slingers at web slingers. It is something that you do need a group reserve for. So you do have to get up at seven o'clock in the morning, California time, or at 12 p.m. And, and also have the Disney app in order to reserve it because you've got to go ahead and at that point in time, you have to be very quick to see if you're going to get a group because if you're not, you will not be able to get on that ride. So Just it, like the Rise of Resistance. It's the Web Slingers and the Rise of Resistance are the only okay. rides that you need to reserve a group for. That, right okay, now. so that's what I was going to ask. Like most of the, are all the other rides, so you're just queuing up in line whenever you get yeah. there. and you can only do it once a day just to let everybody know. Okay. So. So but, uh, was it I worth it? Say, and they want to add, I want to tell everybody a little secret that if you go to Disneyland and because of COVID, they are not doing fast pass. Uh, they've mm. discontinued the fast pass for now at Disneyland facilities. But if a certain ride is using the fast pass line for general consumers and nobody seems to notice, you can sneak in. So basically after a California adventure, where we spent a lot of time at the Avengers campus, which is cool. It's not very large, but still what's there is really, really cool. In fact, there's a lot of great food items that are there, especially at Pim's Kitchen. I, I cannot recommend that highly enough. But once you go over from California Adventure and all the rides and things they have there and you go to Disneyland, you hop onto one of these these places and you go down and you, if you there is a, a, a uh, general consensus going one way and you're able to go the other side of the line, I would recommend you doing so because you can save a whole ton of time. Because in, in fact, in Disneyland, we went there uh, several rides we were on in less than five minutes. Sometimes it's it just literally just walked right on because we went through the X fast pass lanes. So you have to go ahead and pick and choose this one. It's not a guarantee. So I just want to make sure that's noted as well. Tricks of the trade. So Disney has actually uh, 
you know, we're going to be talking about some hot water they found themselves in with a certain star here later. But also, I guess they just mandated that all their employees get vaccinated. So it's going to be interesting how that, you know, how things unfold with that in the coming weeks. Absolutely. I know it's a hot button issue, uh, so I'm not going to get into it here. But yeah. yes, they have mandated along with several, uh, several other private companies out there uh, or actually several other publicly traded companies and and have, have asked their their employees to get get vaccinated and that's a decision that they'll have to make and then uh yes they've now have a mask mandate and i believe it's indoors at all indoors facilities inside disneyland so yeah that's something that you're gonna have to go ahead and take a look at when you're when you're down there so please note that and yeah. Please note there are certain tricks and trade that you need to go ahead and be aware of. So YouTube is a great place to go or just reach out to us here at Pop Culture Cosmos. But we do have a great episode coming up for you. Josh did hint at something going on within the confines of Disney as far as the pending legal battle. We're going to talk about that and the major ramifications of that moving on from it. Plus, we've got a whole ton of things where we're going to talk about, including the latest Halo Infinite technical video multiplayer match, but it did show the technical abilities of what the game will look like. We'll share our thoughts on if we're impressed with what we've seen so far from Halo Infinite. We're going to talk about the box office and Jungle Cruise's big win. And also as well, is there any room for the Green Knight and Stillwater at this point in time in the box office and the controversy with Stillwater? We're also going to talk about Doctor Who. There's a major change there. We're going to speculate on what the future might be for that series. And my friend, it is 40 years of MTV. So we're going to close out the show with some thoughts on 40 years of music television. I don't know. Really? Have they had really 40 years of music television? We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the latest legal ramifications going on in Hollywood and what's going on right now is going to have a major effect of certain projects going forward. In fact, all projects going forward for certain streaming outlets like Disney and HBO and Paramount Plus and possibly even Apple to an extent. But Netflix, I think it's not because you know what you're getting into when you go ahead and do a movie on Netflix. But Scarlett Johansson has sued Disney for expected profits that were supposedly going to be made from Black Widow, which right now is targeting maybe $300, $350 million worldwide during its entire run to the box office. Which, which isn't awful, just to well, it, during, that Yeah, which isn't awful during now. But, you know, that's a movie that if you want to compare female-led driven Marvel movies, this is the movie that was probably expected, especially at its May release time originally, was probably going to do well over a billion dollars. And it's a movie that came out to decent critical ratings. It didn't really come out to extremely poor ratings. It came out to ratings similar to what we've seen from several movies out there that have garnered $800 million to a billion dollars. So... I would probably put it between 800 million to 1.2 billion. And IGN is reported and touched on from other sources that Kevin Feige was really upset over this. Disney is entrenching themselves into the ground with their position on not financially compensating Scarlett Johansson for their maneuver that they did by making it streaming day and date with Disney Plus, which 
originally was supposed to be something more financially gettable via the box office as far as whatever her base salary was, plus more compensation points on the film, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something that could have totaled out to maybe 30, 40, 50 million dollars or more as a total rake for her. So I'm with her on this. And I know Kevin Feige is really upset, according to reports. Disney pay her what they need to pay her for everything that she's done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have her leave on this note and now become so petty. It also sets up for Hollywood a big problem because you now have Emma Stone that's thinking about having her own Mm -hmm. lawsuit over Cruella because of the lost profits there. You have other individuals that are pondering the same thing. You know, anything that's being released, Disney Plus, day and date, you know, you could have a situation with The Rock this weekend and also Emily Blunt. They could be filing some charges in the not too distant future. Then you have individuals, maybe HBO Max, they're doing day and date and it's free basically with whatever paid subscription that you have. So you have a lot of issues there with some actors who were expecting a lot bigger hauls and returns. And I, I just think at this point in time, Hollywood needs to bite the bullet and pay these actors what they what they were originally going to be paid or should have been paid in thereabouts. I, I think in the case of Black Widow, I think Scarlett Johansson, everything she's done for the Marvel Cinematic Universe should be paid commensurate to whatever it would have done in a normal year. Can we just like talk about how ridiculous this whole thing is just from like a consumer standpoint for a minute? Like, absolutely. Oh my God. I just want to make sure this does not include the Gerard Butler lawsuit for Olympus has fallen because that movie came out years ago. Oh no, no, so no. no. Just, he's I, just looking for back profits about he, 10 million. Oh, of course. One. Yeah. Everyone's trying to get a piece, but like, Oh my gosh, I only made $30 million from this movie. Like, Oh geez. From a consumer standpoint, that sounds so ridiculous. From her standpoint, I understand like being cheated well, it's out of also, money. I mean, you're talking about something that you know a similar actor would have made in a similar setting in a normal box office environment yeah. might have made forty, fifty million dollars. Yeah. I mean, what did Brie Larson make for for whatever she did for Captain Marvel? Yeah, no, I don't remember the numbers, but I'm just I'm not even not, not even looking at gender. Like, if it was a male, I would say the same thing. Like, it does from a consumer standpoint. It sounds ridiculous from a Hollywood standpoint where these things are a big deal. Yeah, I can see her being upset over this. You know, I'd read that Warner Brothers actually renegotiated contracts when they were putting things out day and date on HBO Max. That's what I've heard as well. So hopefully all those were done and approved by the actors that had those type of agreements that had incentives based on box office performance. Right. So, I mean, I I just like I'm I'm curious what Scarlett Johansson's contract looked like, you know, did Disney said they did renegotiate with her, but according to her legal team, they didn't. And she was not given a chunk of, like, I guess the, the streaming profits from Disney Plus is just from bo- her, her incentives were just from box office only. And so when that dropped, she, I guess, felt like she got cheated out of more money, which it's possible that had it not been on Disney Plus, it could have done a lot more. But then it's also possible that I couldn't. It's hard to really know, but. Um, I I had said at that time that I thought it was because of the move that I thought that the box office was being shorted by probably about yeah, 15 to 20% at least. Right. I mean, and it's one of those things where you never really know until somebody confirms it, you know, like with, with um, what uh, Shang-Chi, you know, that comes out in September. I don't know if that's a day and date 
Disney Plus release, but if it's theater only, then it's going to be an interesting contrast, right, with with Black Widow to see like well, this... Jungle Cruise they they were adamant on seeing only in theaters, and then at the last minute they decided to do day and date streaming. So that's yeah. something that they'll have to deal with with The Rock and Emily Blunt possibly. As oh, well. oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, and, and Cruella. Is something that Emma Stone is now contemplating, according to reports, of contemplating her future as far as possibly suing down the line as well. Yeah. Again, this goes back to Scarlett Johansson and ten years she's given the Marvel franchise and Disney. You know, how many young ladies? I mean, I'll put it to like this: I just went to Marvel's, you know, Avengers Campus at Disneyland. Yeah. And I saw so many individuals out there wearing Black Widow t-shirts. I saw so many young women wearing Black Widow t-shirts who have grown up with Scarlett Johansson's character. I mean, she has meant so much to Disney's franchise. She's been so undervalued, so underappreciated by Disney and Marvel, in my opinion, for several years. I mean, this. I mean, how many times have I told you, to your Tom, blue in the face, that this movie came out way too late this movie should have come out in 2016 right after civil war i mean yeah this, well take this, this, this you know had it done that when it was supposed to i mean this would would have been a moot point at this point there would have never been a case because she would have made everything that she would have made and i understand that to us you know it's just about millions of dollars and these are hollywood stars but it's also be you know about you in the workplace being paid what you should be paid you know it's something that right. there's an expectation for especially for all the time that you put in with a certain company hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts Disney, for someone who, like, talks a big deal about, like, change and equality, like, in these news articles, they're always commentating on things. They don't do a good job of that, of acting that out. You can even tell by the way that Black Widow was handled or the way that Jungle Cruise was handled, even with that, you know, the the brother character in there. Like, Disney is afraid to break free of that, that corporate male power structure. Like, they're are things that need to happen behind the scenes so that things like this don't happen. There are changes that need to happen. And they're, while they're talking about how good changes, they're not putting those changes in place. And I don't know if that's from coming from the top or if that's just like a, something that's happening throughout the entire company. But Well, it sounds like it's, a lot of it's coming from Disney at the top of Disney. And, and this to me is a very disappointing thing because if it is true and the reports are, there about kevin feige being very upset about not taking care of scarlett johansson and i think that kevin feige kevin he just such a good head on his shoulders he knows about what's going on in the real world with consumers and all that and says you know what disney you might need to bite the bullet on 30 million dollars here or 20 million dollars extra but just bite the bullet on it because for pr purposes for the way it looks for for maybe things going forward, projects going forward, maybe there are actors or actresses who will not sign that you want well, because of what's being done right yeah, now. Yeah, that's what I was going to, you know, that's going to be my next point here is that this is probably going to have repercussions. 
they had made a statement, right, that they're not doing long contracts for Marvel actors now. So now what's going to happen when they see what's happening to Scarlett Johansson? You know, say they want to make another Captain Marvel movie or make a Gamora solo film or or really, you know, anything that has a character that's not a Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans type character. Like they're going to have, or even like you said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with The Rock, but they're going to have issues securing talent because every everything everybody or everybody to disney is just dollar signs whether it's the consumers the actors or the uh you know the production team it's all just dollar signs to them that's what that's what they're saying with this well and again on scarlett johansson's side it's a matter of, of being paid commensurate to what you feel you deserve and you know regardless of what's going on with the events of, of coronavirus and how that's totally changed as you had predicted so long ago and pat yourself on the back for that about how the structure of how we see movies going forward is going to change forever it's just this thing that you got to expect a lot that's different out there but there's still things that you have to go ahead and prepare for and this is one of the things disney had to prepare for is that there would be a change in structure on how this movie makes money and generates income yeah. But since this movie was made and completed before the pandemic under and contracted to Scarlett Johansson under different circumstances, you have to go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to bite the bullet for the best future of your Marvel franchise for the, you know, that's, that's probably the best thing you could do is just, okay, we're going to have to go ahead, give what we need to give and take care of her cut it as a loss and move on from there because it's the best thing going for the Marvel cinematic universe, because you don't want to rock the boat, man. That's all that's going to take is just a couple things. And all of a sudden people say, you know what? I'm going to start checking out DC a little more often. Yeah, there you go. I mean, Disney, again, Disney's literally n- not putting their money where their mouth is. You know, they're not going to bat for their people. You don't want to upset Kevin Feige. He's the guy that has created all this. Like he's the guy that created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's moving over to Star Wars. Like he is somebody that they would probably keep on their good side. If he's upset, this is clearly an issue that needs to be addressed. You know, it's going to get ugly. It just and the official comments that Disney made in regards to were very retaliatory Mm -hmm. and were were basically by the public at large thought of as very offensive. And the court of public opinion is clearly on the side of Scarlett Johansson in this. And I think that Disney needs to go ahead and just bite that bullet, get that taken care of. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, same thing with Emma Stone, you know, with Cruella. Cruella probably would have been a very successful movie at the box office in its own right. Yeah. And I think that they need to go ahead and just bite the bullet on whatever situations that they have now, put out these fires Go ahead for all these upcoming releases that you have. Make sure you've got everything taken care of and all, got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed so that you don't have to deal with this over a lingering issue going forward. Because if you're going to continuously do these day and dates, I understand that. I mean, the Delta variant with COVID is kind of dictating that, that you're going to have to continue with this model going forward if you're going to release movies. But please, take care of your actors. Take care of your actresses. Take care of your talent. Otherwise, it's going to be very detrimental to your future going forward. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, as far as like Emma Stone, it'll be interesting to see how much 
ripples in the water that she creates uh, after you know this whole Scarlett Johansson issue is is settled or not settled. Well, that one's a more interesting case, and the reason why I say that is because you're trying to equate that to a movie that similar in structure if it had been released before the pandemic. You're trying to evaluate that. I mean, with Black Widow, it's kind of easier to do. You could equate it to Captain Marvel. You could equate it to another standalone Marvel film that was released. You know, you could do that all you want for there. So, I mean, there's like several different examples there. Cruella is a little bit different that you don't have that many base models of films to go off of. So yeah. you're not sure exactly how well it was, it was going to do. It was, yeah. it was very well received critically. So I think it would have done well at the box office. I think maybe what, like a four or five, maybe even $600 million return there. I'm just guesstimating, but that's still a lot of money in Emma Stone's if she had that type of incentive in her contract. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, especially, you know, there's all these big plans for people to go back to movie theaters. And if that's not going to happen, then where will we be with things like this? Well, it is going to be an interesting question that's being brought up continuously as we go forward, but it is going to affect Hollywood, especially Disney, quite a bit with these day and day releases. Hopefully HBO Max and the folks at Warner Brothers and all that have got their I's dotted and, and T's crossed and don't have to deal with this and already took care of their actors and actresses. Same thing with Apple and Paramount Plus and all these other individual streaming outlets, Netflix even to an extent. So I'm going to say right now, Disney, please take care of ScarJo. Please take care of Emma Stone and please take care of your actors and actresses to whatever commensurate deal that they should be deserving of getting. What are your thoughts out there on the litigation that's now taking place between ScarJo and Disney? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, and talk about more great things on the other side, including 40 years of MTV and also a new Doctor Who may be on the way. I want to ask you this, my friend. Did you see the technical video for Halo Infinite? For me right now, I think, and I, I'm sorry to say this as a longtime Halo fan, as someone who's played since the early days of Xbox, and I have almost the entire library. I still got to catch up, I think, with Halo 5 before Halo Infinite comes out. But I want to ask you this, my friend. I mean, right now, to me, Battlefield 2042, with that Battlefield 2042 portal announcement, I think that was just something that both myself and Jamie Monroy were very excited about seeing the possibilities of the sandbox that you can create from all the past assets of the Battlefield franchise. To me, I'm more excited about Battlefield 2042 coming out this fall than Halo Infinite. Yeah, Halo Infinite's a it you know, not to be punny, but it's an infinitely it seems like an infinitely complicated game, right? They have the multiplayer and all the different multiplayer modes and the single player. Like there's there's definitely a lot more layers to Halo than there is to Battlefield, but with Battlefield, like they're giving people exactly what they want, right? They're giving you have elements of different games you can put in, you can incorporate it into uh, you know, map builders and play build maps, play with your friends, take elements from like Battlefield Bad Company and all the different battlefields over the years. If they were to put that into Halo, not just as a playlist, but like give you those pieces, you know, the all the stuff that you loved about Halo 2, 
also if you love about Halo 3 and Halo Reach, like all those different multiplayer modes and allow you to craft your own maps to play with your friends. And even like if they had some kind of algorithm that t- that could tell like what maps are played, what created maps are played the most. And then they put that onto their server for different people to pick and play. That could be an element that truly like makes Halo stand above all the rest of those multiplayer games. Well, we'll see what happens, my friend, as Halo Infinite comes out later this year, or is expected to anyways, could be delayed again, the way we see games being delayed. I mean, Horizon Forbidden West was just announced as having a delay into 2022, Mm -hmm. so who knows? I'm I'm curious, you know, Sony's supposed to have a state of play, Sony, right? Or, yeah, Yeah. Sony. But they've already had one with Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, so they're supposed to have one in September that is, or allegedly going to have one in September that's going to talk about Horizon Forbidden West being pushed back and, like, what they're going to be releasing come the fall or holiday season. And I don't know how this is going to bode for them. You know, like Xbox might be the place to go this holiday season. Well, it might be a place to go, but they're still behind in sales as they just announced 10 million plus sales for the PlayStation 5. It's still selling very well. And there's still a supply issue with both systems. So we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a very interesting fall and winter to say the least. Yeah. For Sony and an Xbox. But Halo Infinite, yeah, we've got some thoughts on it, right? But if you have thoughts out there on Halo Infinite, we'd love to hear them. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we've still got so much to talk about on today's show. We're going to talk about the box office. We're also going to talk about Doctor Who and 40 years of MTV. That'll be coming up on the back end of the show as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are, then you got to check out Season 1 of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. He is the man, the myth, the legend himself. Again, if you want to get a hold of us, we are at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We do go ahead and make sure we get you the latest and greatest news in the world of pop culture on our Facebook page. If you go ahead and like us and follow us there, we provide you so much, including weekly tabletop rpg adventures including right now so if you're going ahead and tuning in on facebook since we are facebook's number one online streamer for tabletop rpgs including dungeons and dragons homebrew games and so much more please go ahead and check us out pop culture cosmos on facebook and then of course instagram twitter and tiktok as well but my friend there's still so much more to talk about on today's show The latest box office numbers were, I guess, under the circumstances and the renewed, I guess, uh, apprehension to going to the box office because of the Delta variant. It was still some positive news coming out of it with the Jungle Cruise earning a tidy $34 million this weekend at the domestic box office, which is a pretty good sign. In fact, a little bit more than what Space Jam, A New Legacy, did, but... I know you, we have some thoughts on that, but so before we do with a review of Jungle Cruise, and we might go into spoilers, so I do apologize for that if we do, but yes, 
we did catch with this weekend, but there's an interesting story behind it. And I'll tell that with, with Josh here in a sec, but it did earn about $91 million in global worldwide box office plus Disney plus streaming, which they've announced Disney has. It, it clearly beat all the other movies of the box office. What is concerning to me is a movie like The Green Knight, which has been hailed critically, which seems to be a movie that I think a lot of people need to get into. Unfortunately, is not going to do very well at the box office at all. It, it really just kind of underwhelmed and performed. And Stillwater, it's in limited release. That movie, which stars Matt Damon as uh, Oklahoman, looking for his daughter in a foreign country that needless to say is very similar on the surface to the um, real life amanda knox case and there's some controversy there because she's spoken out to say how conveniently similar it is so my friend okay we'll first touch on the jungle cruise and i will <laughs> say this i was at physical therapy with my daughter and while i'm there waiting for her I get this call from Mr. Josh Peterson and Josh was concerned. So concerned. He stopped halfway through it. And it was so funny because you, you called and asked me in the middle of a movie, a question on the CGI. Yeah. It didn't look right. I don't know. Like it, I told, you know, we, we, this is our conversation on the phone was that the textures in the CGI didn't look right. Almost looked like trial footage from a video game, you know, like with Pirates of the Caribbean the CGI looked great, right? Like it looked, it looked like CGI, but it had textures and tones to it that made it feel more grounded. Or even like Tarzan, right? Legend of Tarzan. I I talked about the apes, the one with Skarsgård, the apes. How you can see the fur and like the water glisten off the fur and see everything moving. With the uh, Jungle Cruise, these animals did not have textures at all. Like even the snakes, you couldn't see the scales like on the snake or you can barely see the scales on the snakes on the the tiger you couldn't see there wasn't a lot of like um i guess like hair popping up and stuff so it just the cg felt off it it felt i don't know the whole movie felt weird to me but the cgi especially just felt off well for me the cgi just felt excessive it, it seems like disney gave them an unending budget for cgi yeah and in doing so they just placed CGI all over the place, even when they didn't need to in small moments that would probably be best suited without little touches of CGI. Yeah. They just felt they had to go ahead and put some CGI, whether it's some extra marine life or you know just extra animals or extra creatures, trees or anything out there that they wanted to go ahead and extend upon. They some there's sometimes in some cases that you really didn't need to, but it just looked like that they just did it to do it, and. To me, it just it didn't take too much away from the film. I, I was not exactly impressed by the detail and scope of the CGI as well, like you were. I didn't think it was as bad as you did on the, the actual detail of it, but I didn't think it was the, the greatest thing I've seen either. And to me, the movie overall takes no chances. It's a very safe movie. It, it takes everything liberally from the mummy and from mm -hmm. indiana jones that it can that's yep that's what my wife said we were talking and she said she's like pointing out how all the characters seem to have a look-alike or a sound-alike from the mummy right like you have exactly. you have the brother who kind of mimics in a way jonathan and you have 
I guess the both The Rock and Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt could be a mixture of both Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise. Like each of them had takes different aspects of both of those characters and puts them together. And this was my thought at the end of this movie was that as an audience, well, I mean, even the mummy was just fun. It was blockbuster popcorn fun. But this one, like everything was literally handed to you. You didn't have to work for anything in this movie. And like that whole thing with the rock, you know, talking about how he's, this is going to be a spoiler, but he's like 400 years old. You didn't have to like, yeah, you were able to put that together, but the, he kind of like, explained everything within that little uh you know that little montage of things that With happened the before yeah and instead of like they could have done a better job of like spacing that out through the entire film, you know, like maybe when he has his confrontation with uh what's his name, uh they could have he could have like had a flashback and even the confrontation didn't wasn't very confrontational, you know, it was just it the motivations were not well outlined and the resolution was not like great. It just felt, yeah, it was a very cookie cutter vanilla film. I don't think my, my daughter who's a huge fan of the ride and who's a huge fan of Disney. uh, I don't think she appreciated enough. And I, I, I don't know if I appreciated enough either, but I know they had several touches to the ride and several nods to the ride. And Mm -hmm. ultimately spoilers, the hidden, purpose and the hidden treasure that they were looking for was found behind the backside of water <laughs> yes uh, yeah it's and and the corny jokes were there yeah those were good non-stop and we get it they tell corny jokes on the ride if you go on the ride they all tell the the corniest jokes ever so mm-hmm. it's something that i think was best driven by the rock and emily blunt and i think their performances alone give it a passing grade i think about a six six and a half for me at best yeah i, I mean i'm i'm probably on the same boat no pun intended i don't know if that's like a a movie that like you know with the parts of the caribbean it's like it'd be cool to go back to that world after watching this one. i'm like okay i think one cruise around the jungle is enough for me absolutely for me as well but Again, we, you know, it's passable. It's passable. I didn't, I, I didn't groan too much during it. It's just something that doesn't surprise you in any way whatsoever. It doesn't take any chances at all. And when a movie like that takes no chances and it doesn't do anything bold, you go ahead and you look behind the veil a lot closer and you look for more mistakes and you look for more things to nitpick at. And I think that's what happens with this film because it's such a safe movie. You're trying to go ahead and peek behind the curtain even more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, like, I don't know. It's just, it felt like they were trying to be a movie for adults, but also a movie for kids. And it just, it didn't, they didn't find that healthy balance there. And because of that, I think, you know, just looking at how all the, the stuff that was supposed to be scary, you know, with the guy, it was clearly taken from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? The guy with the beehive face and the, the tree guy, like even with that stuff, like they were trying to make it seem menacing, but it just, it felt so the, because of the CG, it just felt so cartoonish and it was hard to take it seriously. Well, what are your thoughts out there on the Jungle Cruise? We'd love to hear them because for us, it was a passable movie, but not much more. If you really enjoyed the movie or you really couldn't stand it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, the other movie I really want to talk about, again, I really want to get a chance to see The Green Knight, and I'm hoping I will do so because I've heard so many good things about it. 
it is probably not going to do very well overall at the box office because of what's gone on with the pandemic. This is an independent movie that I think that a lot of people would really enjoyed, but because it is not being, it doesn't have that high power machine behind it. Unfortunately, I think it's going to get snowed under with its expectations box office wise. And I think it's going to, win a lot of hearts later in the year in a streaming format or a let's rent it format because it's going to be on a lot of top 10 and a lot a lot of top 20 lists i think because it is being is very well thought of and i i hope to get a chance to see it because it takes the arthurian legends a little bit differently and it's a different take on it and the way they approach it so i I really want to go ahead and check this movie out Unfortunately, again, it's probably not going to have a long stay at the box office, which means you're going to have to go ahead and search out for it when it hits home video or streaming of that nature. So my hope is that people will find it at some point in time with the Green Knight. But your thoughts on it? I mean, I know you're the a little bit more Arthurian than I am in your love for that age. So you're interested in checking out the Green Knight? Yeah, I was actually like considering like trying to find a movie theater that's playing this and you know checking it out. I've, I've heard good things. It looks it looks great. It looks very dark, very gritty. This is about Gawain, I think is the. Yeah, and it's so funny because IGN, uh, you know, they, when you look at the review, one of the things they mention is color palettes and. Whenever somebody mentions color palettes, I gotta <laughs> think of you, my brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's all about them sweet, sweet color palettes. But yeah, I don't know. This is like you when you hear stories about you know the the knights of the round table. You hear about Arthur. You hear about Guinevere. You hear about Lancelot. But all the other like knights. This is what what Clive Owen. Yeah, his uh, King Arthur movie back in I want to say it was like two thousand six. I think when that came out. But they did a good job of giving all the different knights like their their due time. But like with most movies, you only hear about Arthur, Lancelot, or Guinevere, and it's often highly romanticized. So it's it's cool to get a tale that hasn't been told before, you know, and and a fascinating one at that. Well, definitely looking forward to catching that sometime this year when it becomes more accessible. But the other movie I wanted to talk about was Matt Damon's movie, and I'm not talking about The Last Duel, although it's kind of funny because if you saw a trailer this week for The House of Gucci, you realize it's another Ridley Scott movie with Adam Driver starring in it, which takes place and it gets released a month after another Ridley Scott movie with Adam Driver starring in it in The Last Duel. So I'm interested to see that. Ridley versus Ridley one month after the other and seeing which one will do better such know, a, financially and critically. Such I a, think the House of Gucci, I've got my odds on the House of Gucci, I think, it's such just a, because of the bad accents we've already talked about on the last Yeah, tool, well, that's such a weird movie for Ridley Scott to do. Yeah. It's just I, it's I, so, I, so out of his wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I agree. But I'm interested to see. I mean, Jared Leto looks totally different in that movie. I, I'm, I'm interested to check that out. I probably will see both, but yes, it's... Got, got my money so far on the House of Gucci. But getting back to Stillwater and Matt Damon's turn away from Arthurian legend and the last duel, he's playing a Oklahoma guy, a father who is trying to see if he can get his, his daughter out of a foreign prison for a crime he thinks that she did not commit. And it does have very similar circumstances you should say to uh, i guess the real life 
Amanda Knox and her scenario, I think in Italy, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. with a murder case down there. I will say that she is not wrong in her assessment of the synopsis of the film and look in the film and that they borrowed probably very liberally from it. I don't know the legal ramifications of that or ethical or moral implications on that, but I want to hear your thoughts on Stillwater before we head to the break. So this is a movie I didn't really even know anything about. I didn't even know, you know, you had mentioned it, so I checked out a trailer and I didn't really know. It's in limited release. I don't think it's it's, it meant to win a lot of box office. It's going to be there and it's going to be there for a while at the box office. It's probably going to be one of those slow earners. Yeah. I don't know. It looks interesting. It looks very dark, kind of filmed in the style that Collateral was done in, you know, with that like shaky real life camera look to it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm probably not going to watch it. And yeah, I'm just curious. It, it does mirror a lot of real life things. So I'm curious, like, what, if there is any like consultation with the people involved or if they just kind of like, that's what Hollywood does these days, right? They take like things that are happening in the news and they turn them, they adapt them into movies just changing the names and things like that. But if it's really like a blatant knockoff, I wonder if there was, uh, you know, if they had to get some kind of permission to use this stuff. Well, if they did that, I don't think they asked Amanda Noss uh, if that's the case. And I don't know, that's that's for maybe an impending court battle to decide. So mm-hmm. I'm not here to say whether on whose side I agree with, because like you said, Hollywood does this all the time where they'll take a real life circumstance change the location or change the names for fictionary purposes but still mirror so much of what the real life event is so yeah you can take that for what it's worth right there yeah i don't i mean looking in the news i don't know what libel means to anyone in these days but i mean it seems like that would be a pretty good libel case if you did not have you know the right permissions granted to do something like that Absolutely. But we'll take a look at it. We'll see if there's anything going on in the future for it. If there's an impending case that Amanda Knox may file against the production studio and all that. So we'll see what happens with Stillwater. But it is a movie that is getting and earning some acclaim for Matt Damon in possibly an early Oscar nomination role for him. So we'll see if people not only remember this movie come Oscar time, but if they go ahead and see some success from this film so we'll update you if there's any news on stillwater right there at pop culture cosmos on facebook but what are your thoughts that this weekend at the box office with the green knight stillwater and the box office champ the jungle cruise please share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford right here along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Before we head on out, I want to go ahead and mention that for those fans of the long-running and much-adored and very respected Doctor Who series, Jodie Whittaker, who was the star for the past three years and the first female to play 
the lead role of Dr. Who. She is leaving after three seasons. And also as well on top of that, the showrunner, Chris Chibnall, is gone as well. They're going to be exiting in 2022. So that is a very interesting thing that went up. I think that a lot of people were expecting her to be there a little longer. And maybe that's something she had by design already. But it just seemed to come out of nowhere that she and the showrunner are both leaving the series after three seasons. According to what you see in reports, it is not doing quite as well as it once did, but the show is still one of the hallmarks and foundations for the BBC as far as that's concerned. I think something that I don't think it will be canceled or will be uh, taken off the air anytime soon. I think it's a, a foundationary piece of what the BBC is all about with Doctor Who. But this is going to be interesting and speculation is starting to already mount on who they want to go ahead and head the series as Doctor Who any thoughts on it? Because it is a staple of pop culture. So many fans over the years have been so beloved of this series. It's something we don't talk about much on this show because I'm not a huge fan of it. I've seen it. I've enjoyed it. But it just never fully clicked with me. And maybe because it's the changeover in Doctor Who's, I just I relate myself to characters. And once they go, I kind of make a disconnect from there. But your thoughts on Doctor Who with both the showrunner, Chris Chibnall, and star, Jodie Whittaker, leaving after three years. My uncle keeps trying to get me to watch it. But I do have friends who are big fans of it, and they were big fans of Jodie Whittaker. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious if there's been, like, speculation on, you know, why they're leaving, uh, floating around the internet. But I'll tell you who I would love to see in the role of Doctor Who and I say this every time you ask me about a British show, I will either say uh, Tom Hiddleston or Idris Elba. You know, that's just that's just me putting my hat in the ring there, you know? Those are excellent suggestions, but I think at this point in time, it's going to be hard to get either one of them. I think maybe as a, you know, 007, I think it's a little bit bigger reach. Henry Golding, uh, I think, is some is a name I'd like to put in there for Doctor Who and 007. I think that would be someone right there. I think that could do also an amazing job in either role. So I'm just pointing it out there. I mean, Snake Eyes will never not perform financially, I think, to the expectations for anyone. But I, I think you got to go ahead and give it a pass considering COVID. In fact, a lot of these movies, you're going to have to give a pass on what they could have done at the box office considering COVID. So be that as it may, I think that Henry Golding would be also be someone I like to throw in the hat there for 007 or Dr. Who. But John Boyega is someone that I think a lot of people have talked about and bandied about his name. It's interesting. What kind of weight does Dr. Who still have? Because that used to be such a role that was vaunted, that was such a role that was truly sought after by the the british actors and actresses out there how much has changed in the role of doctor who does it still have that same kind of prominence within not only british pop culture but the world pop culture as well let me throw out a uh another pick for you amelia clark there you go that was, she would be awesome in that role mm -hmm. i think she, yeah she's, she's very the quirky thing is, though i mean does this series still hold a high enough esteem to get and garner actors and actresses like that that's what that's what i would like to know uh, i mean that's something i think that the bbc 
and the public at large in the UK could probably better tell you, and the fans and the supporters, the diehards of Doctor Who could probably better tell us and better tell everyone out there as well. That series in and of itself, Doctor Who still holds itself in that high esteem. Yeah, I mean, it's still a pop culture icon. Like you go to different stores like Hot Topic or Lunchbox or whatever, or Think Geek, and you'll always find Doctor Who stuff there. Even Barnes and Noble, you go to Barnes and Noble's collector section, you'll find like the pins and the the phone booths, and you go to Hallmark, and you'll find the uh, the Christmas ornaments. So I mean, I think it, it if it's doing well enough to merit that kind of uh, merchandising, I think that it's doing okay. But uh, you know, like. Looking at this, you are right, though. There is significantly less people talking about Doctor Who these days. You know, it's not... Because there's so much out there for people to see. Well, there's... Yeah, there's so much out there. There's... there's in Do- Doctor Who... I mean, I think I got two theories here. One, like, Doctor Who is a daunting show. If you want to go back and watch it from the beginning, it is daunting to even look at. Like, there's, what, 20 to 30 seasons of this show. And, like, if you're someone like me who has OCD when it comes to stories, like, you're going to have a hard time jumping into something like that. Also, you know, like you said, there's a lot out there to watch. So you, with all this new stuff, it's kind of like with me when I listen to podcasts with all these new podcasts I'm discovering, I'm finding that there's old ones that I have to just stop listening to because I only have so much time in the day. And I think that maybe Doctor Who is suffering from that. I hope one of those is not the pop culture cosmos. Never. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm thinking that Doctor Who still has a life still has a long life but it's not as how should i say it's Potent. it's still very promising but it's not the the heavy weight i think that it once was I, I think that it can get to that point once again where it is one of the most valued science fiction entities that's out there it can become at that level once again and it be that thing that people all over the world are just cannot wait to see it still had a lot of anticipation. I mean, th- I know three years ago when Jodie Whittaker was announced, we were talking about it here on the show. And I know a lot of other people were talking about it worldwide. And th- there was a big fervor and, you know, a celebration that Jodie Whittaker was taking the role and, and a lot of going back and forth on, on if she was the right Dr. Who for the job. And I look forward to seeing who will be up next for that role. But you're right, with the constant changeover, and the fact that it's been there for so long, it might have the similar case with The Simpsons. The Simpsons is that's, there. That's also on, very true. Yeah, I mean, but it's no longer the must-watch. It's something that's there. It gets ratings, but for individuals like you and I who once watched it, who don't watch it, who probably may get into an episode or two, or if they finally just say, you know what, we're going to end The Simpsons. If Disney says, you know what, we're going to end it once and for all, or Fox or whatever, and we'll go ahead and watch the last episode. But I'm just saying with Doctor Who, maybe over the course of years, because it's been out for so long, a lot of people have tuned out simply because they're, like you said, it's just you so much you have to follow for so long. Yeah, it's like Assassin's Creed, right? There's just so much story and there's no end in sight. So eventually you get to a point you're like, why am I still here? Exactly, indeed. But We'd like to hear your thoughts on this changeover and who you would like to see as the new face of Doctor Who. Again, big credit and big shout out to Jodie Whittaker for her performance as Doctor Who these past seasons. We wish her continued success and we hope for the continued success of the series, Doctor Who, for many seasons to come. 
What are your thoughts out there on Doctor Who? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos and Yahoo.com. And let us know who you'd like to see in the role of Doctor Who. But my friend, before we head on out, as we're actually recording on the same day, 40 years ago, a little cable channel started named MTV Music Television. And it's so funny because on YouTube, there's actually the first two hours available for MTV that you can catch. And you, can, you can see the number of videos and the, the introductions of the VJs. And it's so funny how you see the commercials there and you go back in time. For me, it's something that in 1981, I was 12. I was just getting into my teenage years, just starting to get into music at that point in time and understand what pop music was. And I wanted my MTV, so I did follow it for a time and watch the videos. And it was like a, a regular music station that played the same videos too much to, sometimes. And But it did have its charm. It did have its attitude. And a lot of people in the music industry, it was a hot button. Whether or not you wanted to produce videos, you wanted to make videos, or you wanted to just not be a part of it. But it grew a culture. It grew a pop culture life of its own not only the channel, but the stars that really embraced it. And a lot of acts were, were very popularized and gained a lot of advantage by being on MTV. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. I've got a joke later on for MTV, but for right now, let's talk about the seriousness and what the impact on pop culture MTV has had for 40 years. So I, I can't really speak to like, you know, the late, I think it was, wait, when did you say it started? It was the 80s? 40 years ago or, today. So that'd be, that'd be the 80s, right? That would be the 80s, yes. Okay, so I can't really like speak to the 80s because I was like born at the tail end of it. But I definitely remember like being in the 90s and hearing about MTV. I think my first introduction to the actual network was back in a, you know, when I was in middle school and I started getting into like the, you know, music, I started listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers and Limp Bizkit and Corn and all those bands. And they were on the, uh, what was that, that show with Carson Daly? The, it was like a, yeah. some kind of mi- music video countdown that was on every afternoon. So I go home, <clears throat> you know, turn that on and watch the music videos. You know, as for like original programming, I do remember, uh, some of that stuff you know i know there's like a real world and there's like real world road trip and there's jackass that was obviously on mtv but i other than that i never really like dove into that culture much because you know by the time i had gotten i found out what mtv was and started tuning into it like all the stuff that like i hear my parents talk about that sounds like it made mtv so great was no longer there you know it wasn't a lot of music videos anymore it was original programming that i wasn't uh wasn't really interested in at the time. And that's something that MTV evolved into that a lot of that turned a lot of people off. In fact, uh, Steve Joyner, who is a peer rep that sends us a lot of clients. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing one of his clients here in the not too distant future. It's so funny because he posted congratulations to MTV on 40 years. Thanks so much for 14 years of music television. <laughs> It's so funny because, you know, that that's pretty much what a lot of other people think. I mean, because, I mean, they were 24 hours a day, music videos and very various lim- limited other programming. But mainly it was music videos and music news that you would hear well, yeah. 24 hours a day. And then all of a sudden they strayed away from that. Like you said, they went to a more reality based programming and then they're now just a regular channel. 
MTV does have its history. It's no longer the channel that it once was, but still kudos on 40 years. We do congratulate you on that. The impact that you've had on pop culture is immense. It is not what it once was, but still continued success for MTV as it heads into another 40 years. Boom. What are your thoughts out there on 40 years of MTV? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it just, like I said, I had a great time at Disneyland. Highly recommend Avengers Campus and looking forward to returning to the Magic Kingdom on either side of the U.S. one day soon. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Star Trek is a vision. Great storytelling. My favorite TV show of all time. I really love it and it's so much fun. Join our crew aboard Earth Station Trek for your regular podcast escape into the Trekverse. Make it so. Let's see what's out there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we all agreed to say make it so. No, let's go, it's fun. But make it so is iconic. It's classic. It's too iconic. So we're all going to do make it so? No. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.